Sachem Davav, today's email comes to us from Uri Fine from Lakewood. He says, he's realizing just how small the world is. Yesterday marked the one year yard side of his father, Zechariah Levracham. And during Shiva, two people that came to be Menachem Avel stood out. One of them was Larry Pearl, and the second one was Yeshua Aaron Price. Before Yeshua Aaron Price got up to leave, Yeshua gave him a card that said, Eight Minute Daf. He says, I don't need this. I'm a Magichir. I already learned Chas four times. I give a shear in Babali. In Yerushalmi, he says, I don't need it. Yeshua was persistent, and so he took the card, and he looked it up, and he says, I have not missed a shear even one day since meeting Yehoshua. And secondly, he found out that his mother's cousin, Larry Pearl, is also a member of the shear. And today, this morning, when I announced that Larry Pearl had a stroke and he's in the hospital, it touched a very raw nerve, She's asking the Oilam if he could please daven for Elazar Chaim and Chaisara, who is a very devoted member of the Shir. We all wish him a Rafua Shlema. Uri, fine, thank you. Mar tells us very interesting halachas that are Nigel and Maisa today. But starting off with Behemas Arnona, that is, if the rulers of the time, they take, let's say, 10% of all your produce, are they considered as if they are partners in your produce? So if you have animals, and you have a non-Jewish partner, you're potter from Bukhar. So the Gemara says, according to one Lashen, if you could get rid of this ruler just by paying him cash, instead of giving him an, an animal, then he's not considered a true partner, and you're chayef. But if, if you cannot get rid of him, if he, he insists on having part of the animal, then he's a true partner, and you're potter in the Bukhar. The second Lashen of the Gemara is, even if you get get rid of him with money, but right now he's your partner. So right now you are a partner from Bukhar. But when it comes to the dough, that you have to give part of it to the ruler, dough is different. Since no one realizes that you have to give it to the ruler, they don't see you giving anything. It doesn't have a coil. So therefore, you must give challah. Even though typically, challah that has a partnership with a non-Jew, you're partner from it, from challah, from the dough. But this dough, no one knows that you have a partner or a non-Jew. Therefore, you have to give challah. If a non-Jew brings chametz into your chatzar, you're not mechuyif to get rid of the non-Jew. But if the non-Jew deposits it by you, he gives you a pikadon, and it has achrayis, you took responsibility that if it gets lost, stolen, you'll pay him back. So then it's included in the isr of layimatzeh. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't find anything, and that's considered it's yours. If you designated a house for the non-Jew without achrayis, then it's not yours. You're not chayiv in beer. Ravashi says, although, when it comes to the Isra of having Abedizar in your own house, you rent a house to a guy, you have to make sure he doesn't put Abedizar in there, even though you rented it to him. So when it comes to Abedizar, it's considered the landlord's, but when it comes to Chometz, it's not. Because Luyamatsim means it has to be in your possession that you have access to it, and since you don't have access to it, it's in the guy's possession, you're not chayiv on Luyamatsim. What do you do, says Rav, if you're, it happens occasionally, you find Chometz on Yantar. Now, chametz itself is mukta. Can't touch it. To be over, you're not over on loyimatze because you mevatel it with your heart. It's already hefty. The issue is you might come to eat it. So cover it with a pot or something. However, if this chametz not, does not belong to you, it belongs to the Beis Hamikdash, it's Hegdish, people are careful from Hegdish and you don't have to cover it. If you have a guy that left chametz in your house without any responsibility on your part, all you need to do is build a wall that's 10 tfachim. So you know, don't go there. 
But for Hegdus, you don't have to build the wall because you're going to be careful not to eat it anyway. What if you're going, you're traveling before Yontif? Says Rav, if you're leaving your house more than 30 days before Pesach, you don't have to do Bir Chomets. Less than 30 days, you have to do Bir Chomets. What's the 30 days, says the Gemara, it has to do with Darshim Bilchas Achag, Shleshim Yom Kedem Achag. You start, they start giving drushes about Hilchas Pesach 30 days before Yontif. How do we know? Because Moshe Rabbeinu spoke about Pesach Sheni, which is 30 days ahead on the first Pesach. Says Rabbi Shimon Gamil, that's different. Moshe Rabbeinu is already talking about Hilchas Pesach, so he spoke about the second Pesach. Typically, you don't have to do 30 days. Two weeks is enough. Where did he get two weeks? He got two weeks from Pikudim. He spoke in the second year after they, they left Mitzrayim. It was two weeks before Pesach. It was on Rosh Chodesh. So Abayi explains Rav, and he says what Rav meant to say is it's only if a person intends to come back, he left within 30 days of Pesach, and he intends to come back before Pesach, he has to do beer. But if he has no intention of, of coming back, then there's no chiyuv of beer chametz. Rav says no. If he has intent to come back, then it, there's no limit. Even if he left in Rosh Hashanah, he has to do Bir Chomets. Even if he has no intent to come back, he's chayiv to be mevar chametz if it's within 30 days, unless he left before 30 days. Same thing applies, Rav is l'shitasai. If a person takes his own house and he makes it into a storehouse for wheat, in other words, he piles wheat above his chametz. So within 30 days of Pesach, he's mechayiv to do beer. But if it's more than 30 days, it depends whether, he, whether or not he intends on emptying his storehouse. Why is it that Parshish Bikudim, that happened in the second month before Pesach, is before Pesach? Why is it in the Torah? It's not in chronological order. It says Rav, there's no chronological order in the Torah. Explains Rav Papa. That's only when it's two separate concepts. There's no Mugdim. But within the same concept, we must, we are forced to say that there's a Mugdim and Mugdim. Otherwise, says Rav Papa, we, would, we wouldn't have the concept of klalu prat, which is different than a prat uklal. Because then you could say every klalu prat is really a prat uklal. There's no mugdam umuchar. Rav says, why do you have to do bdikah? If you're doing bitl, you're getting rid of the chavetz, it's hefker. Why do you need to do bdikah? Says Rav, we are concerned you're going to find a glazed donut, a gluska yafa, something delicious on yantar. Now, why can't you just be mevatalit then and there? Because it's not yours. There are two things, says the Gemara, that are not really yours, but the Torah put them in your possession so that you're chayiv for the Avera. One of them is, if you make a pit in Milbushus Rabin, the second one is Chometz on Pesach. So they were Mesakin, that you should do Bittl the night of biggest Chometz. Why? Because you're doing something and you'll remember to do the bittel. The following day, you're not doing anything, you'll, you might forget. But you don't have to be mevatel because of the different crumbs that you, you have and you're keeping the crumbs, you want the crumbs, because the bottom line is when it comes to sufi ta'inim, you have different figs that you don't really want and you're watching the field. Well, it depends if you care about those figs or not, since crumbs you don't care about. So there's no reason to be mevatel it. Have a wonderful day.